Romans 11 uh, is where we're going to be. Uh, congratulations to all of you who finished another year of school, so uh, well done. My, my son Jonah hit, uh, he ended his freshman year with three finals on Wednesday and three finals on Thursday, including the last class. Lame, but he, uh, he slept most of Friday, so he, he's all right. So it's good to be in, in summer mode, and that's fun to shake up the rhythm. Those of you who are used to coming here wondering, well, what happened? That was one song, baby dedication, tap out, uh, what happened? Well, we're going in summer mode. So just like school has a rhythm, church has a rhythm, and so we're going to be doing some more creative ways of doing our gathering, including uh, next Sunday, first Sunday with food. So every week may have a different nuance. Is that okay? The answer is always Jesus. This church, right. The, no, it's okay to mix it up. And what we're going to do actually this week is in light of we're reading the text, Romans 11, and it ends with a song. And we'll get to that. And so it just made sense. Well, why sing up front when the text seems to end with worship? So we're going to have an extended worship. So some of you, I know when the music goes in the back end, it's like, bye-bye. That's, that's not today's experience. Today we're going we're gonna to use the back half to, after listening to what God says, to respond to him in extended worship, right? So, so that's where we're headed. We're taking a break from the series. This is the last teaching in Romans. And we're going to pick up again in Romans 12 come the fall. And so we're starting in a new series on the life of faith. Kind of what does it look like? We've been talking about the gospel and what it means to have faith. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews 11 all summer and profiling various people who've walked with God. And to see what we can pick from their life and their journey and how it could apply to faith in our world. So that's where we're headed. All right, so what we're going to do is because it was finals week for our kids, I'm going to trudge you through finals week at church. What we're going to do is review. There's going to be an exam at the end, five key questions about Romans. You pass, you leave. You don't pass, you stay, okay, until you get them right. <laughs> like, serious? Yeah. No, not, not really. But it's actually not to review for a test. It's a review because chances are you've forgotten 95% of everything we've talked about. That's just a fact. We've been talking in Romans for months and months. And so rather than just move on and assume it's gotten into our soul, what I want to do today is mostly review. What has God been teaching us? What are we learning about him? Review and then when we get into the fall, I'm going to ask you, so I'm warning you now, to listen to this podcast before we hit Romans 12. Because this is going to summarize the first 11 chapters. If you're new to the church, man, you just come once like every year and you'll get it all. This is awesome. Or come again. We'd love to have you here. All right. Review. Romans is a letter. Paul's writing a letter to a group of people. So in a letter, you don't say everything about everything. He's got a reason. Why? He's never met them. So Paul's actually writing Romans to intro what he teaches because he's on his way to visit them. And he has so much of his heart to pour out. So what he does is in advance, he lets them know, this is what I teach everywhere I go. I'm going to come and expand on it. So we don't get everything in Romans. If you just read Romans, you get very little about certain things when it comes to the Christian faith. But you get a lot about what Paul is wanting to build, and that's a foundation. So Romans is a letter that's supposed to build a foundation. He, he builds on it when he shows up. 
but we don't have that written. So what we're hoping in Romans is that you and I will build a strong foundation. Our goal for you, if you're wondering what's church all about, our goal for you in the gatherings is not to entertain. It's not just to fill your time. It's to build a strong foundation. So as you walk with Jesus day by day, week by week, month by month, that you'll find the trajectory of your world growing. That you'll be you'll finding yourself closer to God. Why? Your foundation is strong. You know what you believe and you know why you believe it. And when life hits you with a big two-by-four, and it does. Sometimes a friend here who's struggling with cancer finds out his dad has cancer. And as he's in treatment, he's in the hospital visiting his dad who's worse than he is. Life can hit you with a two-by-four, but your faith does not have to crumble. Your walk with God can actually be strong in tough times. So this isn't just a Bible study. This is hopefully preparing you for life in God. All right, let's review Romans. We're going to throw a slide that gives you the outline to the whole book. Take your phone out and go, and you can, you can just review it. You see that Romans is about a message. Paul has a singular message that he expands on. And, and in Romans 1.18 and following, he gives the heart of that message. What's the message and what's the message supposed to do? Okay, then when you receive the message, what should be the result of following Jesus? And the answer is hope. And we see that in Romans chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8. Most of his time is spent on the hope that should come. Following Jesus isn't just an abstract philosophy. It should produce something in you that's deep and rich and a foundation for life. But hope is about a people. So what we've been looking at over the last couple of months is Romans 9, 10, and 11. The hope of the good news is that God is creating a people to walk with him and spread his message to the end of the world. That's where we're going to be this morning. Then in the fall, uh, through Christmas and beyond probably, we're going to look at the power of the good news. If God is creating a new people, how do they live with each other? Prepare to be challenged every single week this fall. Fluff off in the summer if you want. But we're going hardcore in the fall because how God tells us to live with one another is completely countercultural to what our world is teaching us. And so prepare for God to begin to challenge the way you and I have been taught to live. No small task. But that's where we're going for the fall. And then where does the good news take us long term? The sharing of the good news. How does it spread and what part do you play? All right, that's, that's the framework. Now, if you haven't read all of Romans, I'm going to very quickly give you a couple of verses on each thought. What's the message of the good news? Romans 1, 16 to 17. Write it down and, and maybe highlight it later. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in this good news, the righteousness of God is revealed. So the message of the gospel is about a person and how to live with this person in the right way. That is the heart of the gospel. Now, it's by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous, those living with God in the right, will live by faith. Faith in the person of Jesus produces something. 
All right, what's the heart of what it produces? Romans 3, 21 through 24. But now, apart from the law or the law of Moses, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus. So God puts us in the right and allows us to live in him and flourish by faith, not by what we do. So following the rules doesn't make us closer to God. No, God wants to bring us close when we trust him and then give us a rooted foundation to actually live in the right with him. So we don't work to get it. It's grace that gets us back to God. Let's just review. So the hope is not that you're a better person. The hope is that God accepts people where they're at when they turn to him and then he transforms them, Romans 12 and following, you'll see how. He transforms them to be like him. God's goal for you is that you would end your days living more like Jesus than you started. And the actual hope of the Christian life is that one day when I see Jesus face to face, I will be transformed and I will be like him. His character will be my character. His words will be my words. His way of seeing everything. I will be in alignment with God forever, one day, perfectly. That's Christian hope. Now, what is the hope, Romans 5, 1 through 2? Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. A message, the heart of the message is I can be right with God by grace. The hope of the message is that I'm now at peace with God. And life is completely different when you're walking at peace with God. If you've ever been in a long-term relationship, you can be living in the same house with someone and not at peace. As a matter of fact, some of you, that's your story right now. There's not peace in your home. You're at odds with your spouse. You're at odds with a brother or sister, with a roommate. Or maybe you're at odds with someone who doesn't physically live in your house, but every time you visit them, see them, look at them on social media, you cringe. The hope of the good news is that the God of peace comes to live with you and gives you the power, the ability to be a peacemaker. You can grow on being the person of peace that brings God's presence into every situation. And even though they really ticked you off and made you mad, you, by God's grace, cannot lash out, but rather respond in a godlike way. That's the hope, is that Jesus changes you for real. Now, when he changes you, you've got to remember, Romans is not written to a person. It's written to people. So the message, which the heart is, that we could be right with God. The hope is that we have peace with God and with each other leads to a people of peace. And you and I are the people of God. So the faith that you enjoy is personal but never private. It's not just for you. That is not the Christian message. It's just me and Jesus. And I, I get concerned right here like, well, you know, I don't know if I need church and I don't know if I need this. I don't know if you need that because I read these books and I listen to these podcasts and I, I spend time with God. And I just say, watch out. It's a matter of time 
before your view of God gets skewed. Why? God always works with a people, and the Holy Spirit, who is all that God is, demonstrates himself in different ways through all of God's people. Basically, if you want to know God better, you need to know Jesus' followers better. Which doesn't sound like it should be. That's how God has chosen to do this. So when I'm with you, you can show me in your life what God is like. And I can show you what God is like. I'm not God, you're not God, but we are as people collectively together, we put God on display because not one of us can contain his goodness. And so you have the goodness of God in your world if you're a Jesus follower, which is exciting. Now you also have baggage. All right, we'll deal with that another day. Romans 12, how to deal with your bags. But for now, just remember, you have the Holy Spirit. Yes, there are parts of you that are unlike God, for sure. He's chipping away at that. But you need to remember that God is producing himself through you. We are his people. Romans 10, 1 through 4 kind of highlights this. Brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be rescued, they may be saved. For I can testify about them. They're zealous for God, but their zeal's not based on knowledge. Since they did not know the righteousness of God and sought to establish their own, they did not submit to, to God's righteousness. Verse 4 is the key. Christ is the culmination of the law. So there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that God is doing. So when God came to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, he doesn't throw all that out and start over with Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of what God wanted to do in the world in Abraham. But he and his descendants made a mess of it. But Jesus does not. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything God is doing. And so to know Jesus puts you into his family. So Paul's heart's desire is that people would know Jesus. And there are people in our world that don't know him. They know his name, they know about him, but they don't walk with him. And so the goal, as I said last week, of you and your following of Jesus is that you and I together would complete, continue God's mission on the world, which is to redeem and bring back all things that are broken and make them whole again. God is on a working plan to change the world, and here's how he does it. He changes you, and then he uses you to see other people changed. You are part of God's family. You're part of God's people, God's mission. Now, all of that was background. We're just going to read the end. That was the review. Well done. Five questions as you walk out. You, you pass, you leave, you fail, you enjoy AC, okay, so it's not that bad, all right? There's no test, calm down, calm down. All right, Romans 11, now let's just finish Romans 11, and I, I want to, in a sense, go part two on what I started last week. Romans 11, we'll start in verse 22, it's where we left off. You doing okay? Yeah. I know review classes are a little like, whoa, heavy, but there's a podcast for that. You can listen in slow-mo. By the way, my voice in slow-mo is very strange. You should try it. It's on iTunes. All right, here we go. Romans 11.22. Seriously, you can listen to podcasts slow. Uh, Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. 
And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. After all, if you were cut off out of an olive tree that is wild by nature and contrary to nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? We're in the middle of an argument. I totally get that. Paul's been talking about what's going on in the world. I don't get it. God came through his son Jesus to the Jewish people. They rejected him. Most of the people that are in the church don't have a Jewish background. Did God fail? No, God didn't fail. It's what God was doing from the beginning. And now he's explaining to those who are not Jewish in heritage. Don't you even laugh, mock, make little of the Jewish people. Why? They have the rootedness in God. They've got the roots. God in his grace was kind to you. He included you in. Yes, some have rejected him. They've been cut off. But he's telling us and reminding us that God is not done with his project in the world. God's not done. Now, two things we saw last week. I want you to write them down. Or if you brought your little notepad, you can just review. This is what I said last week. And we're going to build on it. Two points from last week. Number one, remember the power of God's grace. God can bring you in. You're a rebel. You turn to Jesus. God changes you. That's grace. So God... God's grace is the power to change your life. Number two, remember the big picture of what God is doing. The church is made up of a wide group of people, and we got to remember that. This, which is a side note, and I know what people mean by it, but it, it sends the wrong picture. In the Port Metro area and in every part of the world, there are churches, but that tag on an ethnic badge, if you would. So it's a Korean church. It's a Chinese church. It's a Spanish church. And you've seen them. Or a Romanian church. And, and that's okay because what, what that means is if you are of that descent, they'll speak your language. You're welcome, right? But the pushback on that is it's actually Jesus' church that has always been multi-ethnic and has always been about everybody together. It's always been about a mixed bag. So I, hear me clearly. Do not consider. Do you realize Jose was bashing all? No, I'm not bashing anyone. I'm simply saying you want to see the big picture of what God is doing? It's multi-ethnic. It's multi-gender. It's, it's all ages, all stages, all mess-ups, all together. That's what God is doing. That's the big picture. Now, three more points. So make this point three. Three more that we're going to cover. Three, four, and five today. And then we're going to worship Jesus with all of our heart. Third thing, remember that God's able to include you. The big picture is that Jew and Gentile are worshiping together, that language speakers are together, men and women together, young and old together. And remember that God's graciously including you in that. You see, God's grace is bigger than my mess. Hallelujah. God's grace is bigger. And so the good news is not just for those people the poor or the uneducated or whatever. The good news is good news to everyone who will listen. So two things that Paul tells us to consider here. We just read it. Consider the kindness of God. Verse 22. Consider the kindness of God. Three times there. He says the kindness, the kindness, the kindness. God doesn't have to include you. God doesn't owe you anything. God has been kind to you. And the reason I say that with a 
quasi-pointed finger, is the world from, from early on says, you're a superstar. You're God's greatest gift. Look at you. You can barely hit the ball. You're a star. Right? You fail and your team never wins a game. Here's a trophy. This world is celebrating your greatness. The Bible is clear about what is true. What is true is that, yes, God created you in his image and that makes you great, but it's fractured and broken and you need Jesus. You and I, we need Jesus desperately to live. And if you don't feel like you need Jesus, consider the sternness of God. I want us to see that Paul gives us both sides of the same loving God. God's love is demonstrated through his kindness. He's kind. He included you. God's love is demonstrated in his sternness. He's the creator. I'm the creation. He is the boss. I am not. And so we never follow Jesus on our terms. We come to God humbly and say, your terms are better. Grace, grace. And so to tack Jesus onto your life as part of your spiritual fulfillment is foolishness on steroids. It's absolute foolishness. We need Jesus to remake the whole thing. And if we don't believe that, we actually have not read the gospel and we don't know the good news. So why do we need the sternness and the kindness of God? Because some people see God as mean. God's mean. Why did that happen? Why did he get cancer? Why is he struggling? Why can't we? Why, why are we? Why, why me? Why this? Why now? Some people see God as mean. So Paul reminds us the good news is no, God is kind. We don't understand the big picture. We don't know what God is doing. We don't get answers to all of our questions. But God is kind to us. But others, and I think more people are on this side, see God as a pushover. <laughs> okay. Is there anything you've done that God has not seen? No. It's his kindness that you're not smashed. It's his kindness. God's been kind to us. But we do need to remember the sternness of God. And this is why he tells us the story of Israel. There are people who had Jewish background, went to temple, went to synagogue, did all the things that they thought they should do. They had the right last name. And they lived apart from God and they died apart from God. Consider the sternness of God. Those who reject him are rejected. That's not, that, that's not God's heart. It's not God's desire. But those who run away from the Creator live without the Creator. And life without the Creator, my friend, is no picnic in the end run. And so we need a full view of God, His kindness and His sternness. We need to embrace Him and follow Him while we have time. That's why Romans 9-11 through is so important is because in Paul's day, there was an entire swath of people that were rejecting Jesus. Paul's heart is to say, I love you, I want you back. Paul goes to the synagogue and gets physically beaten to tell the good news to the Jews. He gets run out of town. He gets his life threatened. And he goes back again and again and again because he hasn't given up on his people because God hasn't given up on his people. So when I say the sternness of God, don't like, whoa, I don't want that kind of God. <laughs> you just get God because he is. No, no, it's God's kindness that motivates Paul to say, I'm going to tell him one more time because maybe they may respond this time. So we want to be a people who are all about Jesus all the time so, so that at any time, any place, you could be the catalyst for someone encountering Jesus as well.
All right, number four. Fourth thing I want you to write down, and then we'll read from verse 25. Number four, remember that God is working in our lives. Remember that God's working in our lives. Remember he's able to include you, so you're included when you believe. And, and remember that God's not done. He's working. Verse 25. Let's read it. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. And then he quotes, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So Paul looks at the Bible. He looks at what God's doing in the world and says, don't give up on this people because God hasn't given up on them. Verse 28. As far as the gospel's concerned, they are enemies for your sake. But as far as election's concerned, they're loved on account of the patriarchs for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. We're in summer mode. Why am I covering this? Everyone's turned their brain off at the summer, right? But this, is, this is tough stuff. Verse 30. Just as you were at one time disobedient to God and have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too now have become disobedient in order they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Now that's a tongue twister line. For God, and this is the, this is the one that summarizes, just highlight verse 32. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. So Paul in this section is talking about a mystery. When he says mystery, he doesn't mean like something you'll never get. No. Mystery is something that was once hidden, but now because of Jesus has been made known. And this is the mystery. Right now, there are people who have Jewish background, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're rejecting Jesus. Here's the mystery. In time, because Jesus came to save both Jew and Gentile, remember the message of the good news, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, God's not given up on a disobedient people. That's the mystery. You see, at one point Israel felt like God had rejected them because they had rejected God. Here's the mystery. In Jesus, they're not rejected. God's not done with what he's doing. we got to remember that God's working in our lives. And Paul, what he does is he looks forward to the future and he says one day all of Israel will be saved. Now I got to pause here. Time out. You're telling me Paul says every Jew that has like the right kosher last name someday gets a get out of jail card and me not being Jewish I have to come through faith in Jesus? No. Paul gives a big picture future statement that is not exactly precise for us to fully understand. All of Israel will be saved does not mean every Jew throughout all of time in the end, God's going to come back and say, wow, Jesus was awesome. Therefore, you didn't express faith in him. But now, because I loved Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I'll bypass your sin. You're accepted. That is not what this is teaching. This is not universalism, one day everyone will be saved. No. What he is saying is that in the future, 
there will be individual Jews who turn their heart back to Jesus in big number. In other words, right now, there in Rome, most Jews are rejecting Jesus. He's like, don't give up on sharing good news to this group. Now, by the way, share it with everyone. But don't give up on this group because God in his grace has called Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in the future, we're going to see an influx of people who were rejecting Jesus now following him. Now, unfortunately, what people have tried to do in our day is fully explain something that's in a short statement. All of Israel would be saved. And I'm just here to tell you, with all humility, I don't think anyone fully understands what that means. So there are groups who are saying, and in the future, and they'll try to give you all the details. Like, this is how God's going to do it. Actually, Paul doesn't tell us. He just simply says, looking ahead in light of Jesus, one day this group that's rejected is going to accept in big number. Let's pray that that happens. That's it. So what does this mean about supporting Israel in the Middle East today? And What does this mean about the end of all days and signs of the times and all that? I don't even think that's what Paul is getting at. He's throwing in the big picture, God as a people, Jew and non-Jew. Everyone needs to hear the gospel. Don't reject this group because God has a plan and he's working in our day. In other words, share... Share Jesus with everyone. I don't think the point of this text is to say we should share with one group more than the other or support a particular country at a particular time with a particular government, although lots of people have tried to say that about this text. I just don't, I don't think it's there. Here's what we need to know, verse 32, and we'll move towards worship. God has bound everyone over to disobedience. Let me repeat that line. God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Paul's been sharing for three chapters, Jew, Gentile. Some are in, some are not yet. Here's the point. Everyone's been disobedient. Everyone needs the gospel. And everyone who turns to Jesus gets mercy. So I don't think this is about one group over the other. It's about the good news for everyone, which is beautiful. To think that no matter where you have been or where you're from, God is for you and not against you. And whether you have a big background of following him or this is all new, God has a future for you. God's working in our world. Exactly how this happens, I don't think any of us know. And this is the frustrating part of following Jesus, and we've all been there. There are answers to questions you're not going to get. And isn't this why we doubt? This is why we struggle. This is why we wrestle with belief. We are living in an age, and we're the first in all of humanity. Congratulations. Pat yourself on the back. You're special. Here's why you're special. You have Google. <laughs> Never in the history of the world. People used to have to go to Alexandria or Athens or Rome to find a scroll and search to find information. You don't even have to type it anymore. You just say Siri or whatever your name of choice Alexa or whoever your favorite human being is. You just have to say a name and you don't even get the answer anymore. The answer just starts playing on your device. This is amazing. I want this music played and there it is. Because of that, here's the challenge. We expect inf information and answers at a fingertip. We want it now. And what we don't know, we doubt. Paul ends here with lots of unanswered questions. 
when are these Israelites or Jews going to be saved? How? What exactly does it look like? He does not give the answers. And I think part of it is because Paul doesn't know himself. We don't get it all now. And that's why life is so frustrating. How does Paul respond in light of the things he doesn't know? Just read verse 33. He breaks into song. This is incredible. If you're writing a letter to someone, I dare you just to break into a song in the middle of your letter. Or in the middle of a conversation tomorrow, you're talking about some product or some client or something. I just dare you in the middle of it, well up and sing a song. That, we don't do that. But, but Paul, as he's been thinking about God and writing about God and contemplating what God's doing in the world, look at verse 33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments, his paths beyond tracing out. God's so big, I don't, I don't get it. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Who's as wise as God? Who's ever given to God that God should repay him? Who, who's got God in check? For from him and through him and for him are all things. And then he just breaks out. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Right in the middle of thinking about God, he breaks out into a song. We should just live that way. It actually shows us the right response when you don't know what to do. When you hit a part in your faith or your life, when you don't know what God is doing, why God is doing it, or if God is there. Paul knows God well enough that he doesn't run from him. He runs to him. And what does his song look like? By the way, just look at your Bible. You'll find he quotes the Bible and then just puts his own lyric to it. These aren't exact quotes, but he takes what's true of God, what he knows of God, which is why we start the gathering and end the gathering singing songs to God that are rooted in reality, rooted in truth. We don't sing normal songs that are about us or about life. We sing songs about God because it puts my heart in the right place, open to receive. Number five, and then we're going to live it out. Number five, write this down. Remember that God is worthy of all of our worship, all of it. Not just our worship. He's worthy of all of our worship. Look at the final verse there. For from him and through him and for him are some things. Is that what your Bible says? No, all things. To him be the glory forever. See, worship is based on what we know of God. And worship is pouring out our heart back to God in response to what we learn about him. And why is worship so important? And if you're new to following Jesus, I get it. Walking into a building, cup of coffee in your hand, singing songs with strangers. I mean, karaoke makes sense. This doesn't. Like, this doesn't make sense if you're new to Jesus. And I get that. But I want you to know why this is so important to us. This is for, worship is for us. It's not just for God. It's for us. Why do we need to live a life that's growing in worship? Because we live in a me-saturated world. All of life is about you. And just think of social media, and I love it, and it's good, and it's in one sense neutral, but look at where we take it. 
We make the whole world about us. And, and social media fuels the you-ness of life. Look at what I ate. Look at where I went. Look at what I did. And I'm, I'm all for it. I'm on most channels, right? But I need worship as the counterbalance to making life all about me. And so pausing and thinking about God is what we need. It's the antidote for the me-centered life. And so stopping to say, God, you're amazing, is therapeutic. It's worth it. I need it. And so what we want to do is in light of that, I'm going to invite the band to, to join. Please do not check out. This is your opportunity to do exactly what Paul does. Thinking about God and spontaneously he breaks out in praise to God. The final word in Romans 11 is amen. From him are all things. To him, for him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. You know what amen means? Let it be. Let it be so. If I was made for God, God, in my life, let it be so. If I was made for God, oh God, let it be so. If I was made to partner with God and do God stuff in the world, God, let it be so. Worship is your opportunity. It's my opportunity to say, God, I need to reorient everything that you made me to be around you. Because when I'm with you, I know what I am. And I know who I am. And I know what I'm to be about when I am with you. I get a bigger view on life. And gosh, I need that not just Sundays. Man, if Sundays is your only time to worship God, can I just say that you're starving yourself. You're, you're starving yourself. Eat one meal a week. Or eat one day out of seven. And you will find yourself malnourished and dead. But every day I can... I can think about God. I can read about God. I can sing to God. I can talk to God followers, to Jesus followers. And I can learn of Him. And I can grow in Him. We need each other because worship gets me back into God's space. And it's in the presence of God that I know what life is all about. All right. You've come in with burdens and baggage and all sorts of stuff. Can we now release that to God? and say, God, I'm, I'm from you and I'm for you. And so may all of today be to you. I'm going to invite you to stand if you would. And let's take a moment and just stop. And we're going to sing songs. And Brandon's going to lead us. At the right time, we're going to go to the bread and the cup. We purposefully didn't ask you to give on the front. If you walked in a little late, we normally take our, week, uh, our weekend offering uh, at the beginning. But it just seemed right. Worship through giving. So there are bowls in the center of every table. Um, just a white bowl. And if God stirs you uh, to give, make that worship back to Him. All right? Lord, we're just going to pause in Your presence. And we are going to confess together what we know to be true. We need You. We need You, Lord. So now in the season where we shut everything else out to focus our mind, our heart back to you. Will you speak to us, Lord, we pray, in real ways, about real things. Brandon's going to lead in a song in a moment, but just take this time 
if there are things that you know that are off in your own soul, release those to God so that He can give you His grace, set you free, and that this time in His presence will be rich. Just take a moment. Spend it with